Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Pandora's Bottle by Eileen Wilkes. This was published in 1999 as part of the Charmed Halloween Anthology. Uh, all right, let's get straight into it. Eileen Wilkes blends the ordinary and the mythical to perform her usual magic in Pandora's Bottle. Pandora Kitlock's fiancé, John, has a secret. He tries to tell Dora about it during their first intimate weekend tryst, but something or someone keeps interfering. Jack, John's alter ego, who has all the passionate impulses of your typical genie. John tells Dora she has to choose between them, and Dora is faced with the toughest decision of her life. I am not into this jacket. Okay, so I like... We've talked before, I don't love the author does their craft yeah. type book jackets to begin with. So it's got to it's got to mark against it right off the gate. But then the other issue that I have with it is that it gives a like they hide the fact that there's there there are two people, Jack and John, mm -hmm. for like half the novel. Like it's the big right. mystery of the well novella. It's half the mystery of the novella. So start it with something else like in a land where magic is seen as dangerous or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. But anyway. So, uh, did you do it better, Meg? What was your for, what was your four-word summary? I mean, I don't know if I did it better because I, I, I totally did what I just complained about. Here are my four words. Jack and John love Pandora. Yep. How about you? Wordplay, enchantment, djinn, hijinks. So just just throw some words out there. It's not a real <laughs> sentence, right? Nope. I I feel like I'm gonna have to put some exclamation points in here for the <laughs> for for our for our um written review. You know, it's it's a lot. So before we get into tropes, just like the baseline establishment of the novel is as Meg said, this is a society where apparently a lot of people have like magical blood of some kind in their veins, but the magic is largely frowned upon in society. And both John and Pandora, shocking with a name like Pandora, have secret ties to magical people in their family trees. Yeah. I'm... Um I mean, I, I was actually very intrigued by the world building. It mm. didn't get touched on very much. Um, and I, I really would have. Uh, so whenever I read a compendium of novellas, there's always one I feel that could really benefit from a longer treatment. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was the one in this book that needed that I wanted more of. Basically, I really thought it would have been interesting to see more of the world um, there. It's implied that people who have magic can choose to live on reservations where you know they sort of govern themselves and there's they use magic a lot more they um imply that magic users or magical creatures are actually uh like coming together to demand more civil rights mm -hmm. um, i don't know there were just things that, that seemed really interesting to me that were all relegated to the background um unfortunately and obviously any parallels to reservations or to different stratifications within society have 
elements of racial or systemic undertones. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the little bit of that that was handled in this book was not done well. Yeah, and you don't, again, the words are used. So they're talking about people who are marching for civil rights. They're talking about people who live on reservations. Um, Jack and, Jack, well, I guess Jack, Aunt John and Dora both have this magical background, magical blood, or whatever you want to call it, and they both keep it hidden because they don't want to be discriminated against. Right, but John is of Arabian descent. Yeah. And the way they talk about his skin color and appearance is fetishizing in a really negative way. Mm -hmm. So for a book that is clearly trying to draw parallels to not a specific social issue, but the ideas of social stratification and class. Yes. To then handle the tangible issue of race so poorly. Yes. Under like makes me lose some interest in reading a longer build of this world. Sure. Uh, and I mean, yeah, that was another issue too. She's like, he has an Arabian background. And I was like, okay, what does Arabian mean? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm using the word she used, but this even is her, Dora. No, yeah, this is not laid. This was written in the book. And I was like, okay, that's not, that's not real. That's not a real thing. And, but even when she like thinks of his dark, exotic, good looks. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or like yeah, yeah. she compares his skin to sand. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, you, you got to stop, girl. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to overlook all of that. These are all things that I acknowledge. I'm just saying I felt like the world itself could have been really interesting. Yeah. And the, the rules, this one came the closest to explaining the rules of magic, which is always a gamble, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a fine line between explaining it so much that it just becomes something you can't believe. Mm-hmm. Versus not explaining it enough to the point that you don't know what the rules are. And she actually started that pretty well in this. I thought so. So that's the thing is I thought there were things that that were really interesting and well done. And so <laughs> we again, we, we have talked about how the things that disappoint us the most are the things we see the most potential in. And I saw a lot yes. of potential here that wasn't capitalized on, unfortunately. So what tropes were apparent in this novella? So there's the secret past. Both of them have secret pasts. So both of them are keeping the fact that they have some kind of magical blood or whatever a secret. Which is great given that they're getting, you know, married. Right. And, and he is talking about how, okay, I, I've got something I have to come clean to you about. I have to tell you. She wasn't ever even going to tell him about her past. Right. But also, may I just state that, first of all, he calls her his fiance before he's even asked her to marry him. Second of all, this is another book where they are getting engaged without ever actually technically talking about a life together or what it would mean and without ever having had sex. Yeah. I mean, he calls her his fiance, but she's she doesn't contest it. And the whole time she's like, oh, he's going to ask me to marry him. Sure. But, but it's just confusing it. the plot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call her girlfriend until you actually ask. Yeah, or be like, I'm going to call you my fiancé to the housekeeper because otherwise, you know, I was raised by her and otherwise I'd be embarrassed or whatever. Right, like, the point is it needs to be addressed. Like, as the reader, 
I was sitting there like, did I miss something? Did he propose in the car? Did he like, propose in the car on the way down? Yeah. Um, okay. So so they, they have some secret pasts. Yes. What else? Both of them have some pretty erotic dreams. They do. Some cases brought on by magic, but definitely um, exacerbated by the fact that they are not having sex. Yes, and they both so are like both that. just turned on all the time. And they want, they both want to, like they both say, like I can't wait, like they really want to have sex. But they've never talked about why they're not having sex, even though they both really want to have it. Yeah, can't handle that. Uh, so she has got a cat. Her, she's got a familiar. Yep. Who, she doesn't call it her familiar. No, but who also does the fun trick where when something happens to Pandora. She attempts to tell John. Oh, the cat. The like cat Lassie. attempts. It's very much like Lassie, you know. Oh, get get out of here, cat! And oh, do you you want me to follow you, girl? Yep. Uh, and also, there she is in the text. She repeats a moment from her past, almost exactly and verbatim, but in a new context. Yeah. And how can you tell the difference between two men? Well, it's in his kiss. And also, how can you tell what's missing from your relationship with a man? It's in his kiss. It's also in his kiss. That's right. So all you the know, answers are all the answers. In his kiss. Exactly. So uh, as the book jacket gave away, we don't have to worry about spoiling much in this one because the book jacket gave it away. <laughs> Jack and John are each other's alter egos, doppelgangers. So. John's great-grandfather was a djinn. He was a genie, yeah. And when he met and fell in love with John's great-grandmother, it was the height of the time period of magical persecution in this society. Yes. And so in order to live life as a mortal and escape persecution, John's great-grandfather split himself into two beings. Yeah, he was like the mortal part, who's also like the super straight-laced, on-time accountant guy, and then you know the his darker impulses, which are the genie, the genie side or the gin side. They got put in the the bottle, and so the human mortal side was also Hassan. Was his name was Hassan. The dark side was Hassan, but also a more magical entity that sort of wasn't necessarily tied to Hassan specifically, but rather to his male line. Right. So the the genie side basically transforms himself into the doppelganger of the air. Right. Every time there's a new air. Yes. And of course the terms of this what it means is all very unclear and it's been interpreted through the generations but essentially whenever the heir meets the woman because heteronormative that he is going to fall in love with he brings her to this family estate where the bride will have to choose between whatever the genie in the bottle does and yeah. her fiance but 
because spoiler alert, Pandora has magic powers. Things go a little different when she's tasked with making the choice. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, this is a this is a Halloween novella, and all of this happens on must happen on. They have to decide by midnight on Halloween. They think it's midnight, but it's actually sundown. Oh yeah, excuse Halloween. me, sundown on Halloween. <laughs> by close of close of close of business. <laughs> and so all of this also would have been cute. And I'm just diving into offensiveness because there's one other thing that bothered me. Yeah. There's enough plot in a novella just with the story we've told you. Yeah, you don't with need With this more. world building and with her having to make this choice and with being introduced to this genie character. So if you're wondering if she gets randomly abducted by a redneck townsperson and threatened with rape in the middle, yep. Yeah, we didn't... What was the point of that? I don't know. I truly don't know because there was... With the world building and then their specific magical dilemma we did not we didn't need it right like they had enough to figure out with john and jack being part of a weird curse where they think somebody has to die yeah and it's not like any of the town's characters were characters in the novel prior to this moment no they like were mentioned in passing in one scene it, it wasn't the culmination of anything, let alone the random sexual threats. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't necessary, and it was. Yeah, wasn't yeah, good but, either. But so then, once that situation is resolved, whatever, they go back to the house, and I thought it was very predictable, but very cute. Yeah, that's the thing too. That's the thing. I, you, it was easy to predict. Um, but I wouldn't have hated, I don't, I didn't, wouldn't have hated being able to, to figure out the twist. It was weird. I think the twist that was harder to figure out was what was spoiled in the jacket. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was pretty obvious from the, her feeling like something was missing from his kiss stuff and, you know, her sex dreams and whatever that there was like a second side to John's nature yeah the fact that like the genie in the bottle was a very specific part of his grandfather's intent and like manifested itself as his twin was the like less predictable twist and the book jacket gave it away yeah because you know I mean we we read a lot of romance novels and in a lot of them there is the straight-laced guy and then this is the manic pixie dream girl who brings out his whimsical side and he's gonna mm-hmm. you know embrace life in all of its forms in the same the same way the other way around right. you could have the the uptight woman and then the guy is gonna loosen her stays and they're gonna have a lot of fun together blah 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 so that's and it's often time. people who are like uptight because of past history telling them they had to be so they're also working through emotional trauma and whatnot like it can definitely work yeah yeah so so basically there was a lot of potential there was a lot of fun about this book but it fell flat in some places unfortunately yeah I I think you're right that it would have done better with more time but then I think you would have had to carefully edit for oh yeah a lot of the societal stuff. Yes. 
Uh, and sexiness. I, I think the other thing about sexiness is with all of the emphasis on their erotic dreams and how how much they had wanted to have sex with each other for such a long time, I was waiting for a nice, sexy interlude. And unfortunately, I didn't deliver there either. No. And what is up? Another trend through all of these novels, weird engagements, not really being about Halloween. The weird-ass nightgowns. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry. I own a lot of, like, one-piece sleeping garments, and I'm not wearing, like, old-fashioned button-up underwear from the Victorian era. One-piece one sleeping garments? <laughs> well, you know, a very, like, whether they're oversized t-shirts or, like... I know. That was, that was funny. <laughs> Target nightgowns. My point is, like, there's a lot that falls between, like, the negligee bought for like a gift at Christmas. Yeah. And literally your grandma's sleep, like what are they called? House coats or whatever. And I felt yeah. like these were all veering really toward house coat territory. Yeah. But it was made to be like, oh my God, this old fashioned one of not this one, the other one, I was confusing them. She wears literal drawers. Not this one, not this one. That was the other one. Right, it was one of the others. But, like, he's like, what is up with this old underwear? I know. No, this one, she was wearing sexy stuff. Because she was okay. really looking forward to having sex with him. I she still feel like... Sexy Teddy or something. Okay. Uh, so... And then she was disappointed because he didn't appreciate it, remember? Ah, uh, yes. But I still feel like there was some sort of description of, like, a collar... Yeah, it's possible. I mean, this was published in 1999, Lane. But so. where it was like, she's describing the sexy teddy, and then there's something about him, like, unbuttoning. And I'm like, the fuck is going on with this outfit? <laughs> like, Look, I don't think sexy means what you think it means. You can have buttons on a sexy teddy, but they are not buttons that you actually have to undo. That's, exactly. There we go. There we go. That's, <laughs> like, that's really the problem. <sighs> but, I mean, so what would you say, Lane? Would you recommend this one? It was unique in a lot of ways. I found it really unique myself. And like I said, I think it, it had a lot of potential and I was very interested in seeing what happened. So it's certainly not an enthusiastic, you must read this, but if you're picking up this like anthology, it was probably the second best. I, I would agree. I think it's definitely second best in the anthology. So if you're interested in some light, quick, fun, Halloween adjacent reading, Charmed is a interesting take on four books. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.